Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you are listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. When we think about the country of Portugal, probably what immediately comes to mind is the apparition in Fatima in 1917 of the Queen of the Holy Rosary, and maybe even the angelic apparitions which preceded that in 1916. But there are many other apparitions of Our Lady in Portugal that we might be unfamiliar with. Just like there are so many apparitions in France, and we know kind of the key ones there, or even in the United States, we have the champion Wisconsin apparition. But there are other alleged apparitions of Our Lady. Our Lady of America is one of them now. I know that that has fallen out of favor in some senses and certain circles and whatnot. But nonetheless, that's one of the apparitions uh, in the United States. There are others, too, uh, that one could recount. Some of them, of course, having been condemned, like Nisida or um, or the one out on the East Coast. Uh, there's, there's lots of them that have not received the favor of the local bishop. But today I want to talk about apparitions. We're in the month of Mary. It's the month of May. I want to talk about Portugal, because we have Our Lady of Fatima that we just celebrated on May 13th, just a few days ago, and that was such an important and significant apparition in the life of the church because of its prophetic dimension and so much more, and simply because of the message of praying the rosary every day for peace in the world. Now, there is someone that I've interviewed in the past. I've interviewed him about St. Joseph. He is an ardent devotee of St. Joseph, and if we talk about Fatima, St. Joseph was there. St. Joseph was there in the final apparition of October 13th of 1917. But he's written a book called The Book of St. Joseph. Lots of people hail the book as a companion, really, to Father Calloway's consecration of St. Joseph. I just saw him share about that on social media today. But he has another little unknown book that he wrote, maybe, not as popular as his St. Joseph book, and that's about Our Lady of Portugal, in which he recounts many of these apparitions of Our Lady in that country. And why is he obsessed with Portugal? Because he's Portuguese. So today I'm very happy to bring Joe Rodriguez onto the show, How They Love Mary, to talk about these apparitions and make us aware to broaden our Catholic apparition perspective in Portugal beyond that of Fatima. So thanks so much, Joe, for joining me today. I'm very grateful to uh, to be on. Thank you kindly. Yeah, so this has been a long time coming. I've wanted to have you on for a while to talk about Portugal, just because these are uh, wonderful stories of Mary's apparitions. And I think anytime we hear these stories of Mary's apparitions, they renew faith, they deepen faith, and they give us a sense of the supernatural. And uh, so I, I'm, I know you're Portuguese uh, by by ethnicity. But how many of these uh, Portuguese apparitions were you familiar with before you wrote the book? Or how many have you been to any of them? Or where, where's your devotion to all of them come into play? Uh, well, of course, everything started with Fatima. Um, as a kid, I would see the statue at my grandparents' place. And of course, I asked questions. And I was given the catechesis on Our Lady of Fatima. But it wasn't until uh, maybe... 15 years ago that I found out about other apparitions or miracles in Portugal. And um, I don't know how I stumbled upon the first one. The first one was actually 
uh, two days before Fatima started, um, Our Lady of Baral, Our Lady of Peace in Portugal. And when I found out that there was this very little known apparition of Our Lady um, in Portugal, because I thought it was only Fatima, then suddenly, you know, I, I got curious and I'm like, well, I wonder if there's anything else. So I, uh, I started just searching the internet uh, using Portuguese words instead of English. And I, I was amazed at the amount of results that I got. I mean, so many of these apparitions have never been heard of before in English. So um, it just opened this, this big expanse for me. And uh, I learned a bit of a devotion to Mary under some other uh, titles. So uh, yeah, it was a long time coming, but I'm, I'm glad that it did because it makes me not only appreciate Our Lady more, but also a bit of my background, my heritage a bit more to show that Our Lady, you know, has a special place in our heart for the Portuguese people. And I'm sure you're familiar with the different stages of approval of Marian apparitions. And in 1978, the Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith extended uh, that permission to evaluate Marian apparitions to the local bishop and kind of broaden it, made it a bit easier. Uh, and so a lot of the apparitions that we talk about in our common parlance really are the most recognizable ones approved uh, at a very formal level. So we think of Fatima or Fatima, we think of Lourdes, we think of uh, La Salette. Uh, the list really goes on, uh, Guadalupe, so forth. And uh, what is the state of approval in terms of these apparitions? So the ones that you feature in your book, Our Lady of Portugal, are they all approved by the local bishop? Or, or maybe has there been no stance or... Well, what was your approach and incorporation, I guess, uh, in relationship to the church's approval? Well, in the book, I do cite um, 17 cases of Our Lady. And out of all of them, from what I've discovered, um, the only officially 100% approved one is Fatima. Uh, the rest were supported by bishops, but without actual official statements um, approving the apparition as supernatural. Um, most of these are just traditionally, you know, you know, believed as, you know, like folk saints kind of thing. Um, I do know that some of these shrines have received um, letters from the various popes, um, you know, extending an apostolic blessing that do mention the apparitions at that site. So it's kind of like an informal recognition but yeah, as far as I could tell, the only 100% approved stamp of approval is Our Lady of Fatima. That was the one that was investigated the most, I guess. Also one of the more complicated apparitions. Um, and uh, yeah, so she kind of raised the bar at Fatima. Now, when you looked and found all of these different apparitions of Our Lady in Portugal, did you read the messages of the apparition? So are you very familiar with all of the messages? The thing is, most of them were were very, very simple. Um, the most basic messages were like, you know, build a, a chapel here in my honor. That's it. Or, for example, some of the stories in my book uh, feature children who were shepherds or cattle herders who were either deaf or mute or starving. And Our Lady comes to them and either heals them with a miracle and then asks for a shrine to be built or... In the case of one, uh, this little girl was starving, and she said, go home and check your bread box. And the girl did, and it was full of friends. There weren't really many messages, 
In most of these, it was mostly just little miracles to kind of keep the faith alive in those poor regions. Um, Our Lady of, of Baral, uh, two days before Our Lady of Fatima, she did give a little bit more of a message than the other places. Uh, she requested that the rosary be prayed every day, just like she did at Fatima, uh, for the end of the war specifically. So right away, there's already a connection between because he issued um, the invocation, Queen of Peace, pray for us to the litany of Loretto. Uh, I think it was uh, May 5th. And then on May 10th, we have Our Lady of Peace asking for the prayer of the rosary to end the war. And then two days after that, you have Our Lady of Fatima, pray the rosary to end the war. So there's a connection there. Um, but she also asked uh, at Our Lady of Peace, uh, Baral, she asked for a hymn to be sung that hadn't been sung in like decades and decades. Nobody knew what it was, Our Lady Star of Heaven. And so that was actually what authenticated the apparition because nobody knew about that hymn. Um, and so they dug into the archives and found out that, oh, it's a real thing. Nobody else could know that except Our Lady. So, I mean, that was a very simple message, but it was very beautiful. Um, there were, let's see, in the 1950s, there was Our Lady of Aceseda and uh, she, she did appear, she did give messages. Uh, um, the thing is, the messages were all supposedly destroyed by the government, um, because during that time you had Antonio Salazar um, over Portugal, and there was kind of a control over the media, what's acceptable, what's not. And around that time, Fatima, the shrine, was finally being completed. You know, it was everything was Fatima, Fatima, Fatima. The investor came up. They're like, no, we, we had our hands full with Fatima. We, we can't tackle this right now. So, but her messages there were essentially read the gospel, do good deeds and pray the rosary. So very similar to other apparitions. Um, not really any doomsday messages, uh, just, just basic prayer and uh, conversion. I'm looking at some of the different apparitions and you've mentioned some of them. Now I'm of course, very interested. I wrote my licensed thesis on the assumption of Our Lady. And so there is this apparition in Via Boas called Our Lady of the Assumption. And so could you enlighten me a little bit just about that one, uh, just because I, I, I'm curious, and, and partly because uh, I'm assuming that your book is in order of maybe the years that these apparitions took place, because you have Our Lady of Peace Baral right before Fatima, so if we're following that, what that means then is that this apparition of Our Lady of the Assumption took place before 1950, which would have been the dogmatic declaration. So Our Lady is speaking about or being venerated under this title of the Assumption, which many dogmas of Mary were venerated for many centuries before they were declared. So I, I find that interesting. And so I'm just curious maybe to learn a bit more about Via Boas. So um, just to mention on that theme of, of titles before they're dogmatically defined, um, in 1646, Portugal was dedicated to the Immaculate Conception. Uh, and as we know, that was not defined until the, uh, the 19th century. So uh, same with Our Lady of the Assumption. We, we always venerated her as that. It was never defined as dogma. Uh, but then in the 50s, Pius XII you know, does the good deeds. So, a lot of these devotions and, and dogmas come as a result of the faith of the people. So it's, it is fascinating because um, Our Lady of the Assumption, 
that took place in 1673 at Village Boage. And um, let's see. Okay, so there's a little girl named Maria. She saw the Blessed Virgin Mary. She said, I'm the Blessed Virgin of the Assumption. And uh, there was a miraculous spring kind of at Lourdes, because um, I guess there was a bit of a drought. Our Lady said, dig over there, and she did, and then some water came pouring out. Um, there was also an abandoned church. Um, Our Lady doesn't speak about her Assumption at this apparition. She just says she is Our Lady of the Assumption. But there was a, a rundown church that was kind of used as a barn after a while. And so Our Lady kind of pulled a St. Francis of Assisi and Our Lord saying, you know, rebuild my church. Well, rebuild this church, which was a barn. And um, so Our, Our Lady instructed the girl to make do a procession with a wooden cross around town, asking people to fast on the next Friday. And uh, as a result of this, there would be more faith. Also, there would be, Our Lady mentioned that there would be cures of addictions. So the concept of addiction is fairly new to us um, in this century, but I don't know if they actually used that, she were, used that word addiction back then, but something about, I guess, vices or something that, you know, we find hard to control. But anyway, a lot of addicts experience a lot of cures and miracles at this, at this shrine of Our Lady of the Assumption. So I thought that was, it, it struck a chord with me because there was a little bit of a difference there. So yeah. Now, there's two more apparitions that you referenced right after Our Lady of the Assumption, actually. And the title is Our Lady of the Apparition. So there's two mm -hmm. separate ones. So is there a connection between the two? Or why is that the title? Of course, is that the title Mary gave? And and uh, are they related in any way? Well, in some situations, um, Our Lady didn't give a specific title. And so the people wanted some kind of title for it instead of just, you know, Our Lady or the Virgin Mary, right? So the most generic term, I guess, could be Our Lady of the Apparition. But that's, in that one, the one that comes right after at, at Balu Guys, and that's actually a beautiful story. There was a deaf mute boy named um, Juan Alves, and he was deaf and mute, and um, he was her, uh, with this pasture in the fields, and there was a lot of lightning. So he kind of hid like in a cave and Our Lady appeared to him and she told him not to be afraid. And the, the boy could hear her. Those were the first things he ever heard in his life was the voice of Our Lady. And so she said, you know, build a, a shrine here. So the boy runs back and tells his father, who was a Mason, uh, a stone Mason, not a Freemason. And um, he, he tells him, Our Lady appeared to me. And, and the, the dad's wondering, like, how are you talking to me? How can you hear what I'm saying? Like, this was a miracle, but the father still didn't believe. He said, oh, maybe something just kind of kicked in his brain and he can suddenly speak and hear after all these years. Um, so the boy, he went back to uh, our, our lady and said, my dad doesn't believe you. And she said, she's thinking, okay, I guess I'm gonna have to dumb it down for him in a way. So she says, it's, it's kind of reminds me of the bread story I mentioned earlier about the little girl because because so, they were starving and she said, go home, open the oven. There's going to be a bunch of freshly baked bread for you. And the kid's like, well, no, we ran out of food. She said, go over there, tell your mom to open the oven. There's a bunch of bread. And so that's what happened. And then the, when the dad saw that, oddly enough, that's what converted him. Not the fact that his deaf mute son could speak and hear, but that bread suddenly appeared and they could eat. So after that, the dad worked on this beautiful shrine there. Um, it's uh that's that's where some healings take place there's pilgrimages there um all year round it's yeah it's very beautiful you don't hear about it too much but 
that's what I mean. Like when I stumbled across these, it was like a treasure trove being opened up to me. You know, these simple little apparitions can have the biggest impact. So yeah, Our Lady of the Apparition is, is one of my favorite ones there. Outside of Fatima, uh, all of these other ones that we have that you're featuring in your book that you happen upon, uh, which ones, you know, speak to you the most? Or I, I know you just mentioned that one, that Our Lady of the Apparition and kind of just the powerful aspect of that. But any others that are significant in your own life that maybe you think of more often than not? I do think of Our Lady of Peace a lot, the one that came um, on May 10th and 11th in 1917. And I believe it was kind of providential that I came across this. Originally, I, I came across a Portuguese article uh, that had a picture of the statue, and I wanted to know more about it, but my Portuguese is a little rusty. And so I this was on Facebook, and I remember commenting on the image um, does anyone out there speak English? Can you translate this for me? And a lady from the United States, um, my friend Anna, I call her Santa Anna because she's she's such a saint. Um, she she transferred all this article for me, a guy she didn't even know. And so because of that, we we still have a friendship because of Our Lady of Peace because she translated it and the rest is history. So there is a, a bit of an attachment there, but also the fact that this was so close to Fatima. And again, right after Pope Benedict XV's decree that a queen of peace be added to the litany. So for me, there's a historical and a spiritual thing there. And, um, and the little boy, when he came across her, he was just walking down the road. And then he noticed her to his right. And his first exclamation was um, not as a swear, but like his first exclamation was, Jesus Christ. But there at that time, it wasn't meant as a curse. It was like an exclamation like, you know, Lord Jesus, you know, I'm surprised. And she um, she disappeared. And then the next day he went walking back there again and he saw her and then she invited him to come closer. And he said it was the most beautiful woman he'd ever seen. Her voice was like the most beautiful melody he had ever heard. He was just completely absorbed by this woman. And she revealed, you know, that she came to bring peace to Portugal. And again, like Our Lady of Fatima. And what really gets me about this is that she identifies closely with the people there because that hymn, like I mentioned earlier, Star of Heaven, was kind of a local hymn for that region that people just forgot over time. And so she wanted to connect with them on that level. Like, you know, you used to sing this to me years ago and now you don't anymore. And so uh, to prompt people to invoke her that way again. And so it really touched the people. And then the rosary, of course, and the little boy, he didn't really have an easy time um, compared. I know the Fatima children didn't have an easy time either. But this, uh, the boy, uh, Savrino Alves, he didn't have an easy time either. He was interrogated, you know, a lot. And he uh, was threatened. And he, he kept saying, like, you know, my job was to deliver the message. If you don't believe me, then don't believe me. I've already done my job. But, um, I mean, this boy, he was, what, like 11 years old. And he wasn't afraid of these authorities. And then they shipped him away to... Uh, a monastery up in Braga, um, and they, they they kept trying to make him into a priest or a monk or something, but that wasn't his vocation. So he ends up like after years, he ends up running away with with his friend. They run away from uh, basically their prison, and then after that, they stop pursuing him, and he goes on to live a basic life. You know, he he um he was going to enlist in the war, uh, World War Two, 
but the uh, he had typhus, and so he couldn't. And then that's when Our Lady appeared a third time that a lot of people don't know. And now this story actually came from his daughter, who just died a few years ago. She said Our Lady appeared to her father a third time, saying to make a, a tea out of some nettles and that he would be cured of his typhus, uh, which he did, and then he was. So he led a pretty unremarkable life, simple Christian. Um, what he used to do was to, to raise money for a chapel on the spot where Our Lady appeared, he grew a little garden in the city and the proceeds from selling that, those vegetables would go into setting up this little chapel. So in the 1950s, it was finally erected and consecrated. So I guess there's a little bit of approval there. I mean, it was consecrated and uh, you know people go there every year now and it's it's a beautiful little known apparition. I think I like it because it feels a little more personal than than some others that are out there. One of the things I'm curious about is, have you plotted out all of these different shrines, uh, these different apparitions? Have you put them on a map in Portugal so that maybe a person could see if they could visit all of them? Like, could they go and visit all of these places in one trip to Portugal? I should have done that. <laughs> now that you mention it, that really is a good idea. You still can. <laughs> yeah, I, I still can. You know, I probably will. Um, that really is a good idea. Um, in one trip to Portugal, like, I mean, you know, usually when people go on vacation, they go for like a week. You can't do Portugal in a week. For me, you can't even do Fatima in a week, let alone the whole country. So if oh, you're wow. going to go for... I mean, if you're also if you're going as a pilgrim and not as a tourist, you know, you want more time, but they're all on the mainland, except for, I think, one or two might possibly be on one of the uh, Azores islands. Uh, I think it's just one that's on the Azores islands. The rest are all on the mainland. Um, and Portugal, you know, not a very big country. So technically, you can hit them all up in, in one trip, I guess. But the one on the island might take you a little more effort. But yeah, it's totally doable. I, I haven't done it, unfortunately, because I've been there like five times, but I didn't know about all these until just a couple of years ago. Had I known all about this, you better believe I would have been hitting them all up, you know, and I would have had more photos for the book and stuff. But that'll be uh, next time, I guess. Yeah, what's very interesting to me as I look through the different titles. So there's a lot of nature, Our Lady of the Ferns, Our Lady of the Cave, Our Lady of the Sands. Our Lady of the Olive Tree, Our Lady of the Holy Mountain. So there's all of these different, uh, you know, kind of land or or just markers, kind of of nature that are incorporated into these titles. So so I think that's just a little interesting uh, aside that I noticed from from how some of these places are known. Oh, absolutely. And again, I think it's about being straightforward and not complicated with some of these apparitions you know and it's just you know she appeared in a cave okay our lady of the cave simple you know our lady of the nettles well she appeared standing on nettles so that's you know kind of how it, how it came about with the uh, the villagers and stuff you know they're not theology professors so she appeared on the nettles our lady of the nettles you know our lady of the mountain she appeared on the mountain so well that makes a lot of sense and uh, that's just kind of how they get to know the apparition. 
uh, which is a little different because, you know, we often refer to Our Lady of the Rosary or Fatima as Our Lady of Fatima or Immaculate Conception as Our Lady of Lourdes, so forth. Uh, even in Wisconsin, there was this recent change of Our Lady, and this would be a different aside altogether, but the shrine there was called Our Lady of Good Help. And so now it's called the National Shrine of Our Lady of Champions. So to go with the namesake, the, the city. So so in some of these, that wasn't the case. That wasn't uh, the selection uh, by how they would become known. Right. I was actually going to ask you about that because earlier you mentioned Our Lady of Champion. And I, I knew it was Our Lady of Good Help, but I'm like, maybe she's also known as a champion. I didn't know Champion was a city. Yeah, Champagne is the city. And, um, you know, I did a little YouTube video. I'll send you the link. It's like my 10-minute explainer on it. And, um, you know, for, for the very long time, this is the Clifton version, for a very long time, it was always called Our Lady of Good Help. And I, I, I always cringed when people would say the message of Our Lady of Good Help, the, um, the apparition of Our Lady of Good Help. And I cringed because... Our Lady didn't appear under that title. She appeared under the title Queen of Heaven. But the shrine became known as that because Adele had this devotion to Our Lady of Good Help, and, and uh, it was her insistence that it would be named this. So that's how it really becomes known to us as Our Lady of Good Help. But I thought that that title then, that title of the shrine, should not be referred to the apparition or to the message or whatever. So I do like the name change to Our Lady of Champion uh, because it is... You know, it, it kind of avoids that. Interestingly enough, you know, kind of the one thing I hesitate with it is that Our Lady of Champion, Champion didn't exist as a city until like, a, you know, maybe a decade or two decades after the apparition. But it's the name of the city today. So I get it. I understand it. But if you want to be historically precise, I don't know if it's the right title yet. Um, personally, I would have liked to have seen it be called like the National Shrine of Our Lady Queen of Heaven, because that's the actual title that Mary uh, revealed herself as. So uh, that's just uh, my own little insights as a Marian theologian. Uh, I, I did fight because they were going to uh, maybe make the feast day October 8th. So I wrote a strongly worded letter to the Vatican asking them to make it October 9th, which is the observed feast day or the observed day of the message of the apparition so so i thought october 8th was important because of a miracle that took place uh of the fire but i just thought that it was better to be on the day of the apparition now i understand that our lady of knock is not observed on the day of the apparition but on a day previous because it was pope saint Pius the 10th on the calendar or whatever so so I do understand that th there is precedent for that, but but I was very elated to hear when the Vatican granted permission to celebrate the feast day on October 9th. So so that's kind of my little uh, aside on Our Lady of Champion uh, here in Wisconsin. Interesting. So just just a little bit more on that. I mean, when you, for example, if you were to say Our Lady of the Rosary, well, she she had that title because of Lepanto. So if you were to say Our Lady of Fatima, right away they get it. Okay, Fatima, 1917, Three Shepherds, they make that connection. Our, if you were to say the Immaculate Conception, they're like, okay, you know, but if you say Our Lady of Lourdes, oh, Lourdes, France, Bernadette Soubirou, you know what I mean? Like we, we, connect place, uh, we connect to places, I guess, and these other titles could be used anywhere else as well, right? So that's why I guess it is important to be aware of 
where these things are happening and attaching it to that too. Now, another interesting title. So looking at the different titles. So you have Our Lady of Paradise. And I, I'm wondering, is that a message that's focusing on the kingdom of heaven? Um, Our Lady of Paradise. There was actually no message. Um, the message had nothing to do with heaven or anything. That's what's, again, that's what's interesting about a lot of these is the messages, like I said, were very, very simple, you know, uh, some miracles and apparition. Uh, sometimes, oh, okay, that's because the valley was called Paraiso. The valley was called Paradise. Like okay. that's the name of the valley she appeared at. Yeah, sorry about that. They found a statue actually. Um, and so then they just called it Our Lady of Paradise. Okay. The funny thing about these these statue miracles is a lot of the time they'll remove the statue and take it to their bishop. And then like the next day when they go to get it or go venerate it, the image is gone and they go looking everywhere. And then they find it right back at the exact spot where it originally appeared. And sometimes this happens a few times. And so that's kind of like heaven's way of saying, I want the shrine built right here. You know what I mean? That's what happened with a few of these. But but yeah, again, those just very simple. Um, there was a, a devotion to Our Lady of, of Paradise, though, uh, during the Black Plague. And so a lot of people fled Lisbon, the capital city, to make pilgrimages to um, Our Lady of Paradise. And so there were lots of healings and protections that went on there. So that's a, that is an important one, even though there was no particular message. Interesting. Yeah. And, you know, this is something that I've seen in some of the uh, study of different Marian shrines that I've done or Marian shrines that I've visited. For example, in Belgium, there are some Marian shrines that uh, Our Lady was in a tree and then a little kid or maybe an adult, someone comes and they remove the statue and they're like struck paralyzed and then someone comes and they put the statue back in the tree and the person <laughs> becomes upright again and and typically in those situations they would say that well our lady wants to have a shrine built here and so that's well that's why that happened she does not want to leave this place and so uh, i know that's the case for at least two of them um and, and that's notre dame de foie in belgium and our lady of scarpenhuvel which is in uh which is also in Belgium. So so I know that that, that is something that has happened in other places. And, and I think that was true with like Our Lady of Cobre uh from from uh Cuba, maybe. But uh, it's interesting that Our Lady, like she would be somewhere and then she would just go back to that place <laughs> that they couldn't find the statue. So it's so how how marvelous. I haven't heard about it from other other places. So I didn't know there were other situations like that. So it's interesting you mentioned that she she has a way of telling us i guess yeah um, you, mentioned the, you mentioned the paralyzed thing um actually um our lady of lapa um in 1498 uh, same story a little girl found a statue of our lady um brought it home and was playing with it and the mom got annoyed and she grabbed the statue and threw it into the fireplace and then as soon as the woman did that her arm completely goes limp and she's paralyzed on like the left side of her body and so she she gets on her knees, begs forgiveness, and then her health is restored and the statue is saved. So uh, there is some kind of paralytical theme there. Yeah, and, and there's there's always you know kind of we talk about the miraculous around these things. So in that one place you you have a spring that is emerging, and another place you have these the bread boxes being full. So there's miracles there, but there's even an apparition. Uh, that you reference in your book called Our Lady of the Miracles. So 
Uh, are there miracles that are taking place there? Or was there a big miracle that took place that it got that moniker, that that appellation? Okay, what happened with that one? Um, it's interesting. There was a statue on an island, Portuguese island. Um, there were some people picking up debris on the shores and they, they found this big statue of Our Lady. Actually, it's not too big, but they found the statue of Our Lady um, and they, they venerated her and stuff. And there were miracles associated with the statue. Then you have mainland Portugal, then they wanted the statue. So they brought it to Lisbon because um, it's kind of like King David um, with the Ark when he sees that community prospering because the Ark is there. So then he wants to take it back. Um, similar situation here. They, they wanted the statue because of the miracles and um, the statue kept disappearing and it kept, it, it's, it kept showing up on the island but then it would also somehow transport back to Lisbon. And sometimes they would find seawater on it or around it, like a puddle of seawater. And they're like, what is going on? And then uh, I guess there was someone watching and the statue would disappear at night and return to the island where it was first found and then return the next day uh, in Lisbon with, with, with seawater. Um, so yeah, the, the miracles, just, just kind of generic miracles, I guess, uh, physical healing, spiritual healings, but also the fact that she kept kind of going back to the people that originally found her, so to speak. She wanted to be close to them, but they kept bringing her back to Lisbon. So, yeah. Um. You accidentally kind of happened upon all of these different Portuguese apparitions of Our Lady. And uh, I'm wondering if a person goes to Portugal, and beside being in Fatima, uh, just traveling around Portugal, like if I go to Porto, if I struck up a conversation with, with somebody in Porto, uh, would they be able to name any of these apparitions? Do you think? Do you, would they say if I said to them, "I would like to visit some apparitions of Our Lady in addition to Fatima"? Are there any others here? Do you think they'd be able to name some? A lot of people wouldn't be able to. Um, a lot of these are very much just localized kind of things. Um, I guess it depends if you go to a, an area of Portugal where there might be a concentration of apparitions spread out, but the most you'll get is Fatima, 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 especially nowadays. But like if you were to go closer to, let's say, Ponta Barca, um, then they would know, oh yeah, Our Lady of Peace, Our Lady of Baral appeared here. Um, but it, it is, they're not really like famous throughout their country. Um, I found that out as well, because while I was researching this, I would bring it up to some Portuguese people who live there and they're like, I never heard of that. And I'd, I'd name the place and they'd say, oh, I'm only like 100, 100 kilometers from there and I never even heard about it. You know, so it's very like localized. Um, it's like they're hidden treasures. Yeah, even here in the United States with Champion being approved, you would be hard pressed to find, you know, outside of, very devoted Catholic faithful. Like if you, uh, I one time I'll I'll give this as an example. One time I was at a Marian conference at the University of Notre Dame, and and people did not know about the Champion Wisconsin apparition. And and so just like if you went anywhere randomly and talked talked to a fellow Catholic and asked them, did Mary ever appear in the United States? They might not be able to answer that question either. So. Uh, I guess, you know, it's probably not uh, uh, unique uh, just to, to certain one area. I know when I was in Spain, um, I, I was visiting this unapproved apparition called Garibandal. Uh, but when we were driving to the airport, someone said, oh, there's this shrine to Our Lady. And she appeared in this little village. But 
it just so happened that maybe the Shrine Church was only open maybe two days a week or something like that. And so it was not one of the days of the week. So we couldn't stop there. Or even in France, uh, I remember when I was uh, in Lourdes for a while, that uh, one of the chaplains was telling me that there was another smaller, low-key Marian apparition where also there was a spring of water in France or something like that. And uh, and so I was just always uh, uh, impressed to, to learn about some of these places. And and uh, that's what you're introducing us to uh, with your book, Our Lady of Portugal. You're sharing with us uh, some of these unknown, hidden, under a rock, really, uh, Marian apparitions, the messages, the miracles that took place. Uh, it's renewing faith, I would think. It, when we hear these things, we can't hear of a miracle and not be impressed by uh, by what God has done through uh, the marvelous intercession of Our Lady. So uh, your book, I think, is a great aid uh, to introducing people uh, and broadening our perspective on where an apparition might be. That is just not the popular ones, but there are lesser known ones too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the thing is, like with our faith, with Catholicism, we're, there's always going to be something to discover, whether it's a devotion or an apparition or a sacramental or it's, it's infinity, infinitum. Like it's, that's what's so amazing about our faith and our lady who loves us so much. She comes down to these little, you know, off the beaten path places that no one is going to hear about except for a few. And yet she takes the time to, to do that. She, you know, she, she's famous enough already, you know, but to touch the hearts of that, those small communities where she would appear, the rest of the world might not know, but those people right then and there know about it. And so there's a very inter, like very personal relationship that she has with, with us. And that's what I love about these little unknown apparitions. They might not be as impressive as, as Fatima or Lourdes, but they're still beautiful nonetheless, because it's a visit from our, our mother, you know, and sometimes you know, she only has a few things to tell us, and then that's it, and then that's all we need, you know, just a little spark to keep us going, you know, and um, with Portugal, I mean, you know, used to be the land of Mary, so to speak, and, you know, then once, once the Masons came around, and, you know, there was all this religious persecution, Our Lady kept appearing after that, there's a few apparitions after Fatima that I do mention, and again, it's, it's to bring hope to the, the brokenhearted, you know, and, uh, she, she, you know, she'll, she'll never stop caring. And that's what's so beautiful about these little chats that she likes to have with us. You know, sometimes you just phone mom and, hey, do you want to just have a quick chat? Okay, you know, two minutes. And then, okay, well, I got to get going, but I love you. You know, and that's how I see these. I see oh. these as little I love yous. Yeah, that's a, a beautiful way of thinking about it. Now, you have a, a few different uh, books that you've done, uh, the book of St. Joseph being one of them. Uh, if people want to learn more about your apostolate, you have an apostolate dedicated to St. Joseph. Uh, if they want to learn more about you, your books, your apostolate, uh, what, what are the best ways to do that? Uh, actually, I changed the name of my apostolate so uh, people would remember it easier because I had it in Latin before. So now it's just blessedjoseph.com. All right, blessedjoseph.com. So because... I'm assuming you want to wrap up, but could I quickly say a few things? Oh, sure, please. Okay, because this this always gets me, and I was thinking about it earlier, and I'm like, this is my opportunity. It seems, okay, no matter how many conference talks I see on Fatima, 90% of them always pronounce the name of the kids wrong, and I really want to get it right right here. So 
And I don't know why it bugs me so much. It's just if you're a scholar of Fatima, learn to rep learn to say the names of the kids properly. Um, so I'm just gonna do real quick, okay? Okay, so okay, Jacinta is Jacinta, not Jacinta. Uh, Francesco is Francisco. Francisco. But in English, you could say Francisco would be closer, but he is not Francesco. And then Lucy, Lucia is not Lucia, it's Lucia. Lucia. Well, thanks so much, uh, Joe <laughs> Rodriguez, for joining me today on How They Love Mary to talk a little bit about these Marian apparitions that none of us have ever heard of before. Well, I'm very grateful for the opportunity. Thank you for your patience, and thanks for giving me this outlet to talk about Our Lady, who I love so much. Catholic faith to Our Lady. So that's why I do this.